This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, fellow white guys. It's about to be the new year, and there are some things you really need to work on. No, that's uh, not what I believe. It's what MTV believes. Yeah, apparently MTV is still around, and in an effort to be culturally relevant, they have said that there are some things that some white guys need to work on. So they produced a little video, and they released it on online, and some people uh, heard it and thought, wow, this is wildly inappropriate. And then they quickly tried to get rid of it. But apparently NPD doesn't know that nothing is ever completely gone from the Internet. So we have a copy of some of it. And we're going to share some of the audio that begins, hey, fellow white guys, it's about to be the new year. And there are some things you got to work on. So let's go to the audio now. Hey, fellow white guys. It's about to be a new year. And there's a few things we think you could do a little bit better in 2017. First off, okay, hold it a second. Hold it right off. Um, I'm going to need you to start that from the top. It starts with a white guy and then goes to a bunch of diverse, uh, you know, characters on the on the video. But what they have is the white guy who starts it to give some validity. But what he could have also said was, "Hey, fellow effeminate white guys. Hey, fellow nerdy white. He represents white guys in general. Listen to this again. Listen, right? Hey, fellow white guys. It's about to be a new year. <laughs> and there's a few things we think you could do a little bit better in 2017. First off, try to recognize that America was never great for anyone who wasn't a white guy. Can we all just. Agree? I got to th- throw a flag in the play right there. America was never great unless you were white. Never, ever. There's not one person who has ever been successful or enjoyed America if they weren't white, ever. It's never happened. There's never been anybody rich. In fact, by any measure that you could measure success or happiness in America, it has not existed outside of white people. It's been their exclusive domain. Although there's a whole lot of uh, rich black people, Hispanic people, Asian people over the years I mean, even all the way back in the 1800s, there were quite a few, by what would be if you adjust for inflation, millionaires that happen to be black. So it's obviously not money standards she's talking about. Uh, it's never been great. What does she mean? By, oh, there's never been any heroes. Never anybody doing the right thing, war heroes, except white 
people will know that's been that. Okay, maybe she means it's never been great because there was racism. Uh, There's a point being lost here that um, nobody has had it perfect. Doesn't matter where you're from, what you are, who you are. Somebody has something working. I'm from Cleveland. You don't think that worked against me? People from from New York, California, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. Right, right. I'm from Cleveland. That's not going to win me any uh, any success automatically. So, yeah, maybe racism happened. Maybe you were experiencing racism at times, a victim of racism at times. But guess what? Everybody has things that don't work out so well for them. Crosses to bear. It's not a, it's not a validation or a justification or an excuse of racism. It's wrong. But you got to understand, nobody has a perfect life. Everybody has opportunities. So you white people need to work on some things. Let's let's continue. Here we go. Three, the Black Lives Matter isn't the opposite of all lives matter. Black lives just matter. There's no need to overcomplicate it. Also, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, matter- wait a minute. Did anybody ever say it's the opposite? No. I never said all lives matter is the opposite of Black Lives Matter. All lives matter is inclusive. It's the true inclusive because it also includes black lives. Why are you segregating black lives in this? And blue lives, listen to them about blue lives mattering. Here we go. There's no need to overcomplicate it. Also, blue lives matter isn't a thing. Cops weren't born with blue skin, right? I mean, yeah, they weren't born blue. Okay, I see what he's got here. Okay. It's okay to be a jackhole to people if they're cops. You, in fact, based on their, um, their occupation, you could treat them as poorly as you want. No matter how successful they are, what good they're doing with their occupation, you can be mean to them as long as it's not based on race. That's the only way you can't be mean to people. Because blue lives, that's not a thing. You were born with blue skin. It's just your job. So we can treat you poorly. Got it. Okay, nice to know. A little bit more. Yeah. They weren't born blue. Stop bragging about being woke. Stop saying woke. Learn what mansplaining is. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. I kind of agree with them on that one. Can we stop saying woke? I didn't know woke was a thing. I'm looking online. I'm like, what is this woke? In fact, they were bagging on Glenn Beck for being woke. <laughs> Did you see his picture? <laughs> it's Glenn with the uh, the hat that makes him look like the warden in uh, uh, Cool Hand Luke. He has that and the glasses on and the Glenn Beck woke. And I was like, what is this woke thing? Okay, that's really dumb. I agree with you on that one. Let's stop saying woke. A little bit more. They weren't born blue. Stop bragging about being woke. Stop saying woke. Learn what mansplaining is and then stop doing it. Oh, and if you're a judge, don't prioritize the well-being of an Ivy League athlete over the woman he assaulted. We all love Beyonce. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. An Ivy League athlete. Is, Is he talking about Brock Turner? Was he the athlete the, I, over the woman he assaulted? Clearly somebody who sexually assaulted people on campus. You know what's really funny about that? They're really concerned with that, but they have no concern for what Brock Turner has gone through in his life. Now, that may, you may agree that doesn't matter, Doc. He did something wrong, and I would agree he did something wrong, so maybe you don't have a lot of sympathy for him. However, there are students on the Ohio State University campus who just a couple of weeks ago, after the guy drove the car into the crowd and then got out and started stabbing people who held a, a memorial to people that were people of color that were killed by cops. And they included that guy on the list. And their argument was, you don't understand what he went through in his life to get him to the point that he would be willing to drive a car into a crowd of people and then get out and stab them. So they're concerned with his motivations, but not with Brock Turner's. 
You just got to stop justifying that stuff. Or, or anybody else who rapes on campus. Rapists, you don't have to concern yourself what got them there, but terrorists you do. Okay, okay. A little more with what white guys can do better in 2017. Here we go. Oh, and if you're a judge, don't prioritize the well-being of an Ivy League athlete over the woman he assaulted. We all love Beyonce. And yeah, she's black. So of course she cares about black issues. I'm talking to you, Fox News. Feel free to take Kanye West, though. You guys can have him. You know what you did, Kanye. Nobody who has black friends Uh says that they have black friends. And just because you have black friends doesn't mean you're not racist. You could be racist with black friends. Look, guys, we know nobody's perfect. (laughs) But honestly, you could do a little Uh better in 2017. Some of you guys Mm -hmm. do a great job. Right. Some of you don't. Please, because 2016 is bad. 2017 can't be worse than this, all right? Because this is bad. There it is. So hopefully you fellow white guys now understand what you could do better in 2017. Cal is uh, spinning the dials, radio style for us in New York City this morning. And uh, Cal, um, you are not uh, a white man. I mean, so, on the outside, uh, it kind of looks that way. Yeah, you, you're, you're fairly light, but you are of uh, Middle Eastern descent. Yes, so, yes, I am. Although you're a male, so there's probably some things you can do better. Um, would, would you agree with this, that the, the white people, there's a lot of stuff we need, white guys, what we need to do better? Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. I don't actually at all. Disagree. Really? Completely. Huh. I think we do a lot. Wow. Interesting. Work Interesting. hard. I, you know, I would, I would also wonder if, um, if I were to produce a tape saying, hey, Asian people, here's what you can do better in the future in 2017, or black guys, or... Middle Eastern guys or Hispanic guys, I wonder how well that would be received from those same people who produced that. Do you think they'd, they'd receive that real well? I'm going to guess no. No. Uh, this was, wasn't received all that well online, shockingly, because uh, there, was, there was like 11,000 people who objected to it, gave them the thumbs down and started tweeting about it, so they quickly removed it. But as I said, it's still out there. But there are some people that believe that this is not only acceptable, but it's needed. This is what's going to be good for us. If they do this, then I, as a white guy, am going to go, I had no idea. Wow, thank you so much, MTV, for telling me what I've done wrong low these many years. I will hear you, and I will go ahead and change my ways. Ironic, you've never heard what I've had to say about these things. So, But I'll, I'll go ahead and change my ways. Yeah, uh, did, you, did you see the guy? I'll tweet out a link to this, by the way, so you can see the video. It's uh, at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. Please follow me, and you can see the guy because the guy that they picked up front, I wouldn't say is the best representation of all white guys. He's, yeah, that's it. He's, uh... I'm offended by that. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Because that guy does not, <laughs> there's just, there's a lot, there's lots of things wrong with that. Okay, that's what I'm saying. He's, uh... Maybe you could have said, hey, fellow homotype sexual men, here's what you could do better in 2017. Hey, non-heterosexual guys, here's what you could do better in 2017. Seems a little bit soft there. All right. I'm going to tweet out a link to it, get a quick break in, then I'm going to get some of your calls coming up as well. Lots more happening going on today. The number is 888-727-BECK. It's 888-727-BECK. Doc Thompson, pinch hitting on the Glenn Beck program today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. What child is this to rest? Thanks so much for joining me. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Lots of people tweeting at me. It's at Doc Thompson Show. If you would, please follow me. Uh, during my morning radio broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network, which if you go to theblaze.com and click on channels, you can follow me there and find out more about my program. But we use the hashtag what I learned today, and lots of people are learning things today. Uh, political porn tweeting at Doc Thompson Show and at Cal79. That's KL79 for Cal, who's in New York. He said that S word was just stupid, ignorance unhinged. Um, yeah, it, based on his picture, he is a man of color, if that's an accurate uh, picture. So that's nice to hear that there are people who also recognize that this is just crazy. I don't need other people telling me, pointing the finger of racism while being racist. You're saying, stop being racist, and I'm going to tell you about it by being racist in a very racist way. Kalon Reeves tweeting uh, at uh, Doc Thompson Show at Glenn Beck. I think white guys have done an incredible job tolerating their constant, blatant, blind, hyper-racism. That is a wonderful point. We're constantly told that we're not nearly tolerant enough. We've got to be more tolerant. I have tolerated these claims of racism and divide and ignorance and attacks on me for years, and I've had enough. I'm not going to be tolerant of that. I'm not going to tolerate it at all, not for a second. And by the way, why are we preaching that we should be tolerant of other people? If you're a Christian, you should be loving your fellow man, even when they're jackholes like this. Leach, 598, tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. We need to start using the right word in the sentence. Should, you, uh, should go when adjusted for devaluation. Ah, uh, that's right. It's not adjusted for inflation anymore. Uh, Danny Statuti, tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. Idiots think slavery was invented in the U.S. Egypt enslaved the entire nation of Israel. That's an African thing. This, this is one of the... Biggest misnomers, that is slavery in America. It was not just black people who were slaves. All kinds of races were slaves. It was not just white people who owned slaves. There were black people who owned slaves in America. And it was less than 1% of all Americans who owned slaves. Slaves were brought to America, at least in part, by people in other countries who sold people into slavery. And none of us alive today owned a slave or were a slave. Get the hell over it. Get the hell over it. You want to deal with racism in America? Shut up and move on and get over it. That's the only way you're going to deal with it. Shut up, move on, and get over it. I've had enough of it. You're actually hurting your own cause now with crap like this. Because all you're doing is taking a person like me, who is genuinely an affable and reasonable person, and pissing me off. Everybody around here knows me as reasonable and affable, right? It's on my business card that way. At Doc Thompson Show, constitutional drunk. Wow, you really are wearing skinny jeans. They are not skinny jeans. I'm just so fat. They look like they're skinny jeans, like I'm poured into them. This was a question that came up during the end of my morning radio broadcast. 
Okay, this stuff like the MTV video, this is another example of fake news. That's really what this is. They have created something that is now or for a while was all over social media. Social media is media. It's today's media. When we used to say media, we meant television and radio and newspaper and magazines. But now social media is media, and there's a lot of news. So if something's on social media and it's topical, it is on some level news. This is an example of fake news. It's, it's lies and propaganda. That's what fake news is. It is lies and propaganda. Propaganda also lies, but it's propaganda with a specific purpose. A lot of times a political component to it. But that's what this is. It's fake news. They took a failed premise and spun an entire video out of it. Fortunately, this time around, people called them on it and it got shot down. But it was an example of fake news. Whereas a lot of people out there right now that are clamoring for some sort of government agency or more control over news and social media would claim that it's just traditional news outlets reporting things that are not based on fact. Fake news comes at us on many fronts. First of all, stuff like this, where people put out and would claim that this is actually an issue that is based on a failed premise that racism is all around us and that exclusively white people are racist and need to do something better in the coming year and then begin to teach us how we should be in the coming year. There's, of course, that. Then there is the outright fake news of somebody just writes up a story that they know is chock full of lies or based on one big lie and put it out there and sometimes it takes off and sometimes it doesn't. But then there is the lie of omission. The lie of omission where they report on a story But don't tell you everything. Your traditional news outlets that are now also on social media, like Washington uh, Post, the New York Times, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, CNN, all of these, MSNBC, that's what they do quite a bit. It's the lie of omission where they just don't tell you everything. So factually, what they're telling you is right, but there is a whole lot more to it than that. Then there's the, and the traditional media outlets are usually pretty good at this as well, where they will take um, a news selection, where they select certain stories without selecting others. This is also how they present fake news, because they give something more credit than it deserves while ignoring other things, which also should be something pertinent, something interesting to people. But they choose them. This is all fake news. It's all around us. Fake news always has been and always will be on some level around us. And the solution is not more government control. All that's doing is saying the people that used to have power want to control or try to control what they lost. One of the beauties over the, of the Internet and social media is that you and I, for the first time in the history of the world, have instant access to any bit of information. Just 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had that. You had to wait till your traditional media outlets told you what was news. Sometimes, often, it was fake news or had a fake news component to it because it was what Walter Cronkite told you what news was. It was what Peter Jennings told you what the news was. And if you wanted to research it, virtually impossible. Unless you had really deep pockets where you could fly around and interview people or whatever, you couldn't get the truth. But for the first time, we have that. And these people are freaking out. The stuff shirts at the traditional networks are freaking out. So they got to control it. So what did they do? Suggest fake news is a thing. When did they do it? 
when they realized they've started losing control with the election of Donald Trump. They did everything they could to get Hillary Clinton elected directly because they agree with her, supported her openly behind the scenes. And when they realized it didn't work, they said, wait a minute, we have lost it here. We've got to gather or gain control once again. So they started the idea of fake news, and they're going to keep pushing it. They're going to push the idea of a government agency to regulate it. At very very least, they're going to use their powers of influence over the corporate cronyism and cronies at places like Facebook to try to regulate. And that regulation will be regulating fake news with more fake news. What they determine news is. That's what we have to stand against. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. For Glenn Beck on his radio program today. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, we're talking about fake news and uh, unfortunately how common it is. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. No, I mean, I don't like to be fooled, but some of that's on us. You have to do your research. And no, you cannot research every single story. But that's the reason you start building relationships with people. You say, you know what? I follow this media outlet. They're usually pretty accurate. And if you do your research up front, you're also going to know who shares their biases right off the bat. It's the lack of knowledge of the bias that is what empowers them, anybody with fake news, where they don't tell you who they are. If you look at newspapers in the early days of America and when print was, was the main media source, it was town crier in print, they would tell you what their biases were right in the heading sometimes. The name of the newspaper would tell you what they believed and what they didn't believe. So you could say, okay, I can... I can take this for what it is. This is coming from a certain position. I'll glean out some of the facts. This is likely opinion-based, and you go on from there. It's the people that will not tell you who they are or what they believe, like, unfortunately, Facebook and Twitter and these people. Instead, you have to look at the people that own them or run them, and you go, oh, well, I'm expected to believe that you are incredibly progressive, and you give money to all these progressive causes, but none of that happens in your company. That doesn't influence who you are or what you report on at all. That doesn't happen. What, am I an idiot? Of course it happens. So then like Facebook, for example, is that they're going to they're gonna put out and employ some uh, facts che- fact checkers for fake news moving forward. And if you look up who their fact checkers are, one of them is Snopes. You know, oh, urban legends and things reported. Snopes.com, sure, we all go there. You run Snopes.com? A bunch of progressives. I've caught Snopes in lies before. Sometimes lies of omission. Sometimes just reporting something that is inaccurate. But somehow Snopes, wonderfully, beautifully for them, got branded as the trustworthy debunker of urban myths in the early days. I had friends, go to Snopes, see if it's real. (laughs) You don't even know who these people are and running it. And if you actually look at it, you'll realize they're, they're wrong quite often. 
Anything that infringes your free market, your ability to use capitalism, not cronyism, but capitalism, like government stepping in and saying, well, we need to monitor what is real and what's not real, is absolutely a fail. And then the cronies who buy government, people who have deep pockets and pay off via their lobbyists, like Facebook and Twitter, ABC, NBC, New York Times, any of these people, are also a problem. Free market. Let it run, and you and I do our research. That's the solution. The claims of fake news are simply out there right now to help some people. And by some people, I mean the same old Beltway DC insiders that are getting paid off by the cronies and the progressives. That's the truth. We'd send me your uh, tweets coming up. It's at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. As long as I still have an account after that. (laughs) I don't know if I will. It may be banned soon. It's also at Doc Thompson Show on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Doc Thompson Show. We'll see if I still have an account there as well. Um, But uh, we're using the hashtag Facebook fact if you want to suggest something that is likely a fact to Facebook. Something from their perspective in the future that will be a fact. Hashtag Facebook fact. We'll get to those coming up. President Obama uh, is another example of fake news. In virtually all he does and says is fake news. A guy who has bitched about fake news is almost completely fake news. I offer for you one of his final full interviews that he um, granted to public broadcasting. And I hate to subject you to this, but there is a point to my madness. It's only a couple of minutes long. I'm not going to play the entire interview for you. It's about an hour or so. But it does make some really solid points about fake news. Here is President Obama being uh, interviewed. The demographics of the country are going to change. It's inevitable. Uh, The Latino community in America is going to grow. If you stopped all immigration today, just by virtue of birth rates, this is going to be a browner country. And if we're not thinking right now about how we make sure that next generation is getting a good education and (laughs) are instilled (laughs) with a common creed and the values that make America so special... Okay. And hold on a second. Hold on. Uh, So how is this an example of fake news? Because, again, it's only telling partial truths with this stuff. Number one, uh, yes, the country is going to become browner. It's becoming browner every day. White people, you see all the statistics and they've the benchmarks they've put out there so far have been true over the last 5, 10, 20 years or so, are going to eventually become a minority if things continue the way they are. White people have now become a minority if you combine all other races and ethnicities in America. Uh, it now is a minority to all of them combined, and by 2050 will be a minority to Latinos in America. If you look at the 10 most popular surnames in America, four of them now are Latino last names, and that was never the case 20, 30 years ago. This is true. He is, he is right about that. But why is that a reason we need to suddenly make sure kids are being educated? <laughs> he said, he goes, so it's going to become browner, so we need to do what we have to do to make sure the future is bright for these people. So it didn't need to be bright if white people were going to be a minority. Is that what you're saying? What is? Or you haven't already helped different groups of people based on their Beth, by, by their ethnicity. What is what does that have to do with any of this? A little bit more. Maybe he cleans it up. Are instilled with a common creed and the values mm-hmm. that make America so special and are cared for and nurtured and loved uh, this way every American child 
uh, is treated, then we're not going to be as successful. But the good news is we got time to do it. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, with respect wait, what to is, what? What is he suggesting for a moment there? He said that all of these children need to be instilled with the American values and principles, which there's a little bit of fake news right there, because what are the common values? The things that he says are common values are not actually common values. They're quite uncommon. They're actually things that separate us, and that's okay. The common values are basic support of personal freedoms and free market. That's it. That's what makes the whole thing work. But he would have you believe it's things that don't exist and things that will never exist. Not all people are going to like all people. Some people are going to be racist and sexist and misogynist and misandrist. This is always going to be there. You will never change that. That's human nature. Sometimes you're not going to like tall people or short people or thin people. That's okay. That's your right. That's not a common thread. Making people like each other is not a common thread. A common thread in America is you living your life and I'll live mine. But what's his point about we need to support and nurture all that? We weren't going to do it if it was Latinos? We haven't done it if it's Latinos? We're only interested in doing it if it's white people? None of that makes any sense. A bit more from President Obama. We're not going to be as successful, but the good news is we got time to do it. Um, With respect to race and the relationship uh, between the African-American community and police, All these smartphones suddenly taking pictures are not uh, documenting a suddenly worsening relationship between the African-American community and the police. They are recording what has been a longstanding (laughs) tension. Uh, Sorry, sorry. uh, That's, uh, That's fake news right there. Smartphones aren't suddenly reporting something that is increasing. This is a long-standing tension between the African community and, and police. Long-standing tension? What does he mean by tension? And it's always been horrible, but people are now just suddenly finding out about it? That's a lie of omission. That's a fake news of omission. You mean to tell me it is disproportionate. Police are disproportionately targeting black people based on their race. Through no fault of their own, cops are just saying, you know what, Pete, let's go out and rouse some brothers today because we're racist. Let's treat them like hell. You know what, let's just go ahead and shoot them. Or does he mean just tension? Did he mean tension, the struggles? Well, if he just meant tension between cops and the African-American community, as he put it, is that the responsibility or fault of law enforcement? Maybe some of the tension is simply... There because the African community has misnomers and wrong beliefs about police officers at times. He's not sharing that. This is strictly putting the the fault at the feet of police and, of course, racism in general in America. A bit more explanation on that. A little bit more from the president. The sense on the part of police that they're put in a very difficult situation of Mm -hmm. trying to manage... uh, law enforcement in poor communities where we guns are easily accessible ah. the community okay uh, see it's the fault of guns as well <laughs> what has to do with guns so police are in a difficult spot of being in poor communities and dealing with guns he went from the police have tension with black people and they're in a difficult spot when they go into poor communities well that's mutually can be mutually exclusive. Not all black communities are poor. Not all poor communities are black. 
So he segued now to and blurred the lines with poor communities. And the reason that they have trouble in poor communities is because of guns. So it's fault of guns now, too. Okay. Again, more fake news. It's all propaganda. Here we go. A little bit more. Uh, African-American community being rightly convinced that there is a long history of racial bias in our criminal justice system. Uh, and as, as painful as it is, you know, that conversation is long overdue. So uh, hold it. Hold what? The conversation is long overdue. <laughs> what conversation? How many more friggin' conversations can we have? I hate talking about race, but I got to hold these people accountable. These people, these progressives like President Obama, I've got to point this stuff out. How many claims of conversations do they need to put forward? How many conversations do we need to have? I'm sick of the conversation. So in his mind, we haven't had a conversation or we just simply need another one? Have the conversations worked if we've had them in the past? According to him, we still have all these tensions, still all of these problems. We just need another conversation. So if he believes there have been conversations they haven't worked, you're doing it wrong. It hasn't worked. Why do you want to keep doing what hasn't worked? Or you think we haven't had a conversation, in which case, I don't know where the hell he's been. He's been flapping his jaws for years about this stuff. Stop talking about it. That's the new way forward. Tell people to sit down and shut up. If you have a problem, address it based on the issue and move on. Does racism exist? Yes. And so does a lot of other problems that people have. People just treating people at hell at work for all kinds of different things. That has nothing to do with their race. We don't need another conversation. We need a leader to tell people to get back to work. A little bit more from President Obama. My, my feeling is, is that if everybody takes a breath. Here's the solution. And apparently. if we Take can a structure a conversation uh-huh, uh-huh. that is less about how somebody else is trying to mm-hmm. take advantage of me and structure the conversation around how can we work together to solve problems that makes right. everybody better off. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So he started uh, off that, telling uh, you how some people are being screwed over, people that racially identify with him, but then ends it with the solution is we all need to stop paying attention to what we feel is bad for us and start thinking about everybody. That's complete crap. It's fake news. It's propaganda. And I'm calling you out, Mr. President. It's time we had a leader. You have been a failure. Hopefully, President-elect Trump will do better. Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck and the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Thompson Show. It's a great way to join the program. You can also dial 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. But uh, we'll read through some more tweets here. It's at Doc Thompson Show. Sharita Maxi tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. So what is the solution? Let's stop talking about and continue being ignorant. Hmm. 
Now, based on the picture, Sharita would be a person of color, as it was presented to me earlier today, a person of color. Uh, Sharita, the solution is for all of us to stop being so sensitive. If somebody does something wrong to you, something that is illegal, then file charges, call the police, and move on. If it's a civil case, fine, file your lawsuit. If somebody says something mean to you, calls you a name based on your race, move on. The world doesn't believe this. Not all people believe this. Stop claiming that you're so injured by this because it's not just race that claims it. You could claim it based on your fat. I mean, fat people are discriminated against all the time. Try sitting in an airplane seat today. It's a discrimination against fat people. Some people have claimed that. How many times do we rip on people for being fat and say mean things? Stop being so sensitive and move on. And start seeing the good in how many people out there don't care about such things and people who treat you well. The people who use racism like this are using it for their own benefit. The solution is stop. It's not about ignorance. It's not about if you stop talking about the claims of somebody discriminating against you is ignorant and will continue to be ignorant. The more we... Learn to communicate with each other without talking about the pains of racism and just say, wow, that person's a good dude and get to know each other. They have struggles like I do and they're just trying to feed their family. The more we will understand each other and the more it will go away. The claims of racism hurt it. And there are a couple of other solutions, which I'm happy to share with you next as we continue on the Glenn Beck program in just a minute. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck. Thanks so much for joining me today. We're taking your tweets at Doc Thompson Show, as we do during my regular morning radio broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network. More about me, go to theblaze.com, click on channels, and if you would, please follow my channel at theblaze.com. Just again, right at the top, you'll see channels and scroll down, and please pay no attention to the picture of me. Somehow, some way, of all of the press shots that they've taken over the years, they said, let's see if we can find the worst possible picture. Now, I'm not saying any of them are really good. I mean, I realize you're you're starting with this. I get that. That's cool. Cal, have you seen the picture that they have up there for me in this? I did. You, you look a little, uh, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> I look like I'm begging for gruel, like I'm Oliver <laughs> Twit. Please, sir, can I have more? Hello, hello, can I have some? And the I smirk on your know. face, I got to say, it's kind of douchey. It's a very douchey smirk. You got a bit of, of a course. douchey smirk. It looks like I'm in pain or passing gas and like I didn't hear the question. What? What? Do you get really final horrible. approval 
on the photos they use? No, they didn't approve. They just put it up there. It's hor- look at this. It's horrible. Like, ugh. but of all of that, somebody said either this was the first one in the whole series of photos, and they just said, "There's the one that found one a doc good," or they're like, "Let's go through and find one," and somebody thinks that looks good. If that somebody is a female around here, I really question your taste. I really, I'm, I'm starting to think that there's somebody working against me in the company. I think somebody's like, let's take him down, do everything bad. All right, first we'll start with a really bad photo. So please pay to- no attention to the photo and instead uh, just follow the page. All right, the tweet's coming in. It's rhino season tweeting. And when Obama says the police acted stupidly, he was doing a race, a race relations, a solid. Is that right? Yeah, see, that's the point. He has done so many things wrong when it comes to race relations. And now he's suddenly above it as he's leaving office that he's done everything right. One of the comments he made in the interview he just presented was, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of by every measure, everything is much better now in America. By every measure or metric, any way you could judge America, everything is better now compared to when he took office. I could come up with a whole lot of things that are not better, a whole lot of things that are worse. In fact, I uh, I saw today the VA. Look at the VA alone. If he said, well, we put McDonald in and everything's great, they got those wait times. First of all, the wait times that they're reporting are not accurate wait times. All they did, instead of actually lower the amount of times that veterans have to wait, all they did was change the system or way that they measure them, way they calculate it. So it seems like they're better. The people aren't actually getting in sooner. They just started measuring or counting different. It's just a different formula that makes them look better. In fact, uh, they rate, there's a service that rates veterans hospitals, and they rate them one to five stars, five stars being the best, one star being the worst. And there are multiple house uh, uh, um, hospitals, veterans hospitals around the country, that went from a certain amount of stars to lesser stars. I know it was off the top of my head, Albuquerque, and I think one in Colorado, went from two stars to one star. But by every metric, things are better in America today. Race relations, the economy, is re- relations in general, they better today. We all getting along much better than we did in 2008. Healthcare, is that better? More money? By virtually no metric, is it better? I know one metric. It's better in America today. It's better for Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama. It's better for them because they are loaded. Lots of power and lots of money. All right, another uh, tweet at Doc Thompson Show from Ken Putt. I'm completely with you, but maybe it's time to switch to APR coffee decaf. Uh, at APR Coffees, American Pride Roasters. It's the official coffee of the Morning Blaze, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. They have the gift packets. It's the best coffee in America. Try it. But he's saying maybe I switched their decaf. And uh, I'm sorry. It's only American Pride Roasters, and it's the Doc Thompson's Bacon Blast coffee today. Mmm. That's good stuff. Okay, before the break, we had a lady challenge and say, okay, what's the solution? I offered one. We need to stop paying attention to this stuff. Start treating people well. And people that don't treat you well, move on. Stop thinking that they have some ulterior racist motive. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding, but there's another way forward. Race relations in America, and I have expressed this on my morning radio broadcast from time to time, could be centered around food. 
Who doesn't like food and who doesn't like ethnic foods? You may not like all ethnic foods, but you're going to probably like some ethnic foods. Cal, is there any ethnic food that you like that has nothing to do with your ethnicity or ethnic background? Anything at all? Of course. My favorite food, Mexican. I love Mexican food. You're not Mexican. I'm nowhere near Mexican. So imagine somebody said, you know, Cal, you have to accept Mexicans along with Mexican foods. I mean, that's a package deal. Even if you were racist, wouldn't you be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take the food. I'll just go ahead and accept them. Why wouldn't right? I accept them? Well, I'm saying if you were a racist. Oh, okay. Hated it. Right? So you're telling me if I'm a racist, I can only eat my favorite kind of food, Mexican food, if I accept Mexicans. I'm just saying you start calling the racist out and you're like, okay, so you don't like certain race, whatever, but you certainly love some of their food, don't you? I'm saying we don't know each other and we start breaking bread with people and say, you know, you you don't like Asian people, so you don't like uh, you don't like that Japanese cuisine. You don't like Thai food, really? Seriously, you're racist. See what I'm saying? Then we get together, we start learning about it because food is also culture. So then you start learning about it as people and understanding them. So I'm thinking that's that's part of the key. Food I mean, knows food no solves so many other problems. Right? Exactly. It solves so many other problems. I think you do it. You you have the the food summits. That's how you need to start leading. Actually, and that has been the case in some ways throughout history in America. For example, for many years, most of the immigrants to America were primarily from Europe. They were from places like Italy and Germany and Ireland, places like this. And the Irish are always going to fail here because Irish food basically sucks. I mean, by comparison, it's just not good. So maybe it's not going to work so good for the Irish, but is there a whole lot of racism against Irish people right now? I mean, the gingers there are, but that's not exclusively Irish, right? Okay. But for years, there was racism against people like uh, from Italy and people from Germany, for example. After World War II, when you had American soldiers that were traipsing all over Europe as part of their, their efforts in Europe, they come back to America and they're like, hey, so I had this stuff. It's called pizza, right? You got to try this stuff. People in America didn't know what pizza was. And then they'd go into areas of New York where there were, or, or other major cities where there were Italian communities seeking out such cuisines, and they got to know about it. And how many real, real claims of, and accurate claims of racism against Italians are there in America today? I mean, are the Italians constantly standing up going, oh, come on, Italian lives matter? <laughs> don't have that. Who do you have? You have Hispanic and black primarily are the claims of racism in America. At one time, a lot of Italians claimed racism, and maybe there was. The food helped bring us together. My father, when he was, he grew up in the hills of West Virginia, and he was probably 15, 14, something like this, shortly after World War II. His sister took a trip to New York, his older sister, and she came back and she told him about this wonderful food called pizza. He had no concept of it. And she described it to him, and he said at the time, he goes, I thought it sounded horrible. It's bread with sauce on it. I don't know what is. What do you? It just sounds horrible. He couldn't. He like couldn't even put it together in his head. And of course, pizza is one of the biggest cuisines in America that we even recognize as pretty much an American cuisine. So, Cal, I think that food could be one of those ways forward. Think about all the foods around the world you love, all the ethnic cuisines. That's part of the solution to it. Totally. I think you can bring all people together with the food. That's it. I love food from all over the place. If I thought for a moment that it wasn't a package deal, I didn't learn about the cultures, or or you just use food to say, hey, 
You learn about the courts. Think about all the stuff you learn about China from the fortune cookies when you're eating. Before we even start a conversation, just just here, try this. Try this. Just try this. <laughs> exactly. Automatically, they're going to be put in a good mood. Wow, this is really good. This is, this is really good. That's right. And you know who that is? And you just let me tell you about these people. So Ireland's at a disadvantage there, I admit it. Ethiopia probably at a disadvantage, What's wrong with uh, uh, potatoes? You can have a fried potatoes, baked potato, mashed potatoes. Yeah, and some of that's okay. But you got to understand, Western European food, they don't cook with a lot of spices and stuff. It's a little bit bland. There are some exceptions. Not horrible, but I mean, by comparison. And by the way, I am of Irish and German descent or whatever. So, But by comparison, they lose when it comes to Italian food. Am I wrong? I mean, if you're going on full-on meals, I guess yes. they're not as exciting. But Cal, let's go out for Irish food tonight. Cal, let's go out for Italian tonight. I can go for some corned beef and hash and mashed potatoes, and that's good stuff. Yes, you can go for it, but Cal, here's your choice. We go Mexican, we go Italian, we go Thai, we go Irish food. Rate those Yeah, okay, you're right. Irish is not going to be the top <laughs> okay, of the list. That's what I'm saying. All right, that's it. All right, um, students at the Ohio State University were asked recently by my friend Faith Goldie, uh, some questions about the terrorists. Well, of course, we had the terrorist attack in Berlin, which is still continuing to unfold this morning. A uh, quick update on that before I get to the Ohio State story. Um, now it looks like there was two drivers or two people in the vehicle. The gentleman that was killed likely, possibly, probably was hijacked. He was carjacked. Um, they believe the truck, based on their tracking equipment and computers, that somebody tried to start it a couple of times and failed maybe without a key or whatever, tried to get it started. And then at some point, it ended up starting. It drove toward Berlin for an hour or so, stopped for a couple of hours, and then eventually plowed through the crowd. And then the Polish gentleman, who was likely carjacked or something, was found dead. We don't know how he ended up. They haven't confirmed if uh, if it was self-inflicted, if the guy who carjacked him or the guy who was with him shot him, if a police officer did, they haven't told us that yet. The other guy is still on the lam. He's still out there. They say he's armed and dangerous. The gentleman that they picked up to begin with turned out to not be the guy. So this is what's going on. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess it's probably close to a month ago now, at The Ohio State University, right around Thanksgiving, a guy in a car tried to pull off a, well, I guess it was a terrorist attack. He wasn't as successful as some. And in the car, plows into some people, gets out of the car, jumps out, and starts stabbing people. Faith Goldie goes there and says, in light of what's uh, happened there and some of these other automobile attacks, people using a car as a weapon or a vehicle as a weapon, let's go talk to the people and find out what they think about this guy who, based on his rants on social media... What we know about him and ISIS claiming responsibility for was likely motivated by extremist beliefs, extremist Islamic beliefs. Not that all Muslims believe this, not that all Muslims are a part of this nonsense. They are not. By percentage, very few are. But it's wrong to ignore the motivations to this stuff. So she went and said, hey, what do you think about this? Tell me about this guy. Do you think this was terrorism? Ask him all kinds of questions. Here's what some of the students at The Ohio State University had to say. When she asked, I'm here at Ohio State University, which has just become the setting of ISIS's most recent terrorist now, scroll attack. Scroll in just a little on, bit. Scroll in about uh, 30 seconds or so to this. Multiculturalism. Do you feel safe on campus after the attack this week? Yep. You do? Would you call it a terrorist attack? Um, depends on what your definition of terrorism is. According to your definition. <laughs> okay, well, no. wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Would you call it a terrorist attack? It depends on what your definition of terrorism is. What is there another definition of terrorism? I don't know. I mean, is it because he wasn't more successful? It depends on what your definition of terrorism is. Um, I assumed that there was really only one standard. So you mean my definition? Like, I, I Cal, help me out here. I'm what guessing defi- you know attacking, hurting, killing. He, yes, he did those things. He he did so. all those things. He was yeah responsible for that. It was based on extremist ideology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is not going to say like tickling wouldn't... falls under terrorism. Oh, is there some way this wouldn't be called terrorism if he what if he wasn't motivated by extremist ideology? Perhaps. No, it could still be likely terrorism. Okay, a little bit more from the Ohio State University students. No. Would you call what happened terrorism? I don't see, I don't know what happened yet. I don't know what it's about, and I think we still have a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. to learn about the incident. Okay, uh, good. ISIS has claimed responsibility. I do realize that, but that doesn't always mean that's what necessarily happened. Uh, would you call this terrorism? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, I've been hold, just on kind of- hold on a second. This guy, he wants to get all the answers. I don't know. I haven't read everything yet. I just want to make sure that I don't say something that's inaccurate, get all of the facts, which I agree with. That's great. I wonder how he feels about Russian hacking during the election. Did he say that as well? Did he also say, well, I, we don't know for sure. Let's wait till all the information comes out. I would guess probably not. Here's a bit more. Um, I'm not sure. I've been just kind of like keeping updated with the news. Um, I'm not sure like, <laughs> okay, if they've confirmed on, that. So she doesn't know because she's been keeping up with the news. Didn't she just say she is, has been keeping up with the news, but she doesn't know? So is that a criticism of the news? They haven't given her enough information? Okay, a little bit more. Yeah, so I don't know. Would you call what happened terrorism? Uh, no, I wouldn't. No. I would say it was a misunderstanding. <laughs> okay, there's the one. It wasn't terrorism. It was a misunderstanding. That's all it was. You know, all the times that I have run people over and stabbed them, it was just a misunderstanding. That's all it was. It certainly wasn't terrorism. It was just confusion. I thought it was perfectly acceptable to run people over and stab them. Uh, I mean, Cal, all the times you've killed people. Misunderstanding? Well, luckily I haven't killed anybody uh, recently. uh, But I I wouldn't think that that's something that could be misunderstood, though. I'm trying to think what type of misunderstanding could there have been. You know, like if your wife says, hey, pick Uh up some lemons and Mm -hmm. I bring home limes. Oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Uh, right, that seems. Although I'll be lighter. in a lot of trouble, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I can't see how running people over and then getting out of the car and stabbing them. Maybe, maybe your wife said, "Hey, can you go to the store for lemons?" And you thought she said, "Hey, can you hit somebody with your car and then jump out and stab them?" Lemons hit somebody with your car, jump out and stab them. Very similar, something uh, like that. No, you not, know. not really similar at all, actually. Hmm. Maybe it was like this, you know, you I mean, say... I know there are instances of lost in translation, but I mean, this is a bit much. Could be, but I'm thinking maybe it was something like, hey, you know, if you run into Steve today, tell him I said hi. Oh, if I can you see you saying like, you know, translate or misunderstand, you actually literally run into them. Literally ran into Paul or Steve. Can you do me a favor, you know, if you run into Steve, give him this information. I don't know how the stabbing comes in. Maybe it's, hey, if you run into Steve, jump out of the car and stab him a couple of times. I mean, it's something like that. Hmm. So it's a misunderstanding. 
I don't think this guy knows what the definition of misunderstanding is. <laughs> How would you ever misunderstand such things? Okay, I'm going to get a break, and we'll come back with more of what the students at Ohio State University believe about this terrorist on this The Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to The Glenn Beck Program. State University asked by Faith Goldie a bunch of questions about the guy who um, who jumped out, ran people over with his car around Thanksgiving, jumped out of the car and started stabbing people, uh, whether or not it's racist. And the, the last gentleman said, no, it was just a misunderstanding. They had this, as I touched on at the beginning of the show, they had a, 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 a memorial service for all people of color that would have been killed recently within months or whatever by police officers. And they said, just because somebody has done something wrong doesn't mean that police officers should execute them. Paraphrasing, but that was the, the point of it, that police shouldn't, you know, just try them. But what they're missing about this case was police weren't just trying him. They were stopping him from killing other people. It didn't matter. I'll share that story with you in just a minute. Stock Thompson in for Glenn Beck, the Glenn Beck program. in for Glenn today. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Coming up on my radio broadcast in the morning on the Blaze Radio Network, Friday morning, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and tell a bunch of company secrets. Uh, Until they stop me. Uh, So coming up Friday morning, it's been a lot of questions about uh, what's going on with the radio network. A lot of good stuff, but uh, I'm going to tell you some of the stuff that's been going on. Cat out of the bag Friday morning, so please um, make an appointment now. Friday morning, Blaze Radio Network, 6 to 9 Eastern Time. Just go to theblaze.com, click on radio. So the Ohio State University Coalition for Black Liberation, whatever that is, had this memorial for people of color that were killed by police officers recently. And a young lady stood up and read this. She said, in some cases, the deceased may have committed acts of violence against others before they were killed. Perhaps they were domestic abusers. Perhaps they were threatened or killed other people. She said this possibility is not something to shy away from. The protest against police brutality extends to the innocent and the guilty alike. Because we know that no matter the crime, justice and due process don't come from a cop's bullet. Which is true. That's the reason police do not just go out and execute people. And they didn't execute this guy. The guy who drove his car to a group of people and were stabbing pe- and started stabbing people was stopped by a police officer. 
Did she miss that piece of the story? So it would have been better for the police officer to allow him to go on stabbing people? Or does she believe they should have subdued him a different way? I love when they say, well, you didn't have to shoot him. You know, like deadly force. Can you shoot him in the leg? <laughs> Did you shoot him in the arm or something and stop him? No, you can't. That's not how it works, folks. Police officers are trained. If you pull your gun and you shoot somebody, you shoot to kill and that's it. There's no wound them. This isn't Hollywood. You watch too many movies. And if your loved one or you was being stabbed, would you really concern you now? Hang out, police officer. Oh, I'm being stabbed. Hang on. Don't. No, don't. Don't shoot him. No, no, no. Try to uh, just wing him. Hold on. Oh, yo, use your taser. No, no, you're going to say stop this guy. And that's what they did. And that's what they were supposed to do. There is an associate professor of English. Her name is She said, um, I'm sorry, what was that? Johnny, that's her name. Um, is that the it's, a, it's a foreign pro- name, Cal? You, uh, no, pronunciation? Yeah, it's a foreign name, so it's not going to make sense to you. You know, okay. <laughs> she said. She said you can understand where an act of violence comes from without condoning it. And I was like, okay, I guess you can understand that. You know, right? Nobody wants to be a criminal, and you could say, hey, this guy probably had a rough life, but that doesn't mean you lead with, hey, this guy had a rough life. Don't shoot him. He's stabbing people, so let's think about it before we shoot him. No, stop him from hurting people. And then you don't lead with, okay, now let's talk about how rough this guy had it. You talk about what was wrong, what he did wrong, the fact that it was terrorism, the motivation for the terrorism, the victims. You talk about all of these things before you go, wow, this guy life probably sucked, right? Then she called what he did a tragic, tragic mistake. He <laughs> Drove into the people, and it was just a tragic mistake. Stephanie Clemens Thompson, cousin Stephanie, who's an associate director of uh, residency there, said that the gentleman in question, the terrorist, was a Buckeye. This Sorry, is what one she, more time. That's his name. He's, a, again, a foreign name, Cal. You're not going to understand it. She uh, posted on social media, he's a Buckeye, a member of our family. If you think it's okay to celebrate his death and or share pictures of his dead body, and I see it in my timeline, I will unfriend you because he's a Buckeye. Hashtag Buckeye strong. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. So that's her concern that you're, you're posting pictures, you're mocking him. You know why people are posting pictures and mocking him? Because they're upset, they're frustrated, they're scared, they're angry. All of these things based on his actions, not on his race. His ideas, his religion, none of this stuff. She said, I pray you will find compassion for his life, as troubled as it clearly was. Think of the pain that he must have been under to feel his actions were the only solution. Now, I mentioned the Brock Turner thing. Do they say the same thing when it comes to Brock Turner or rapists? Do they ever say, wait a minute, let's give the racists some credit here. I'm sure they don't want to be racist. What are they going through in their life? They must have really been jonesing for some strange and it'll go out and rape somebody, right? They were just looking for a hookup. Now, they'll say that. They said it's wrong. No means no. They never say nice things about it. Let's take their past into consideration. They never say any of that stuff. They say simply it's wrong. Why the double standard? Because it doesn't fit the agenda. These people say they need safe spaces from perception. Their perceptions of you and me and things you say. Perceived slights. Perceived insults. 
No, I mean, sometimes they actually are insults, but their safe spaces have not been uh, strictly limited to that. And many times, in many cases, they'll say, well, I think he meant this, or I believe that, or I thought I heard. So they need safe spaces from the perceived harsh words that you or somebody else present. But terrorists, they don't need safe spaces from that. He needs to be understood. Don't shoot him because that's just executing him. So their safe spaces are for words. Meanwhile, when they are actually in danger and in jeopardy, they don't need a safe space. It's good. What kind of twisted logic is that? What kind of nonsense is that? I, I cannot wrap my head around it. So I was taught sticks and stones break my bones, words won't hurt me. Theirs is completely flipped around. It is words will hurt me and a knife and a car will not. Very vehicular assault. <laughs> That's good. That's not actually going to hurt me. Come on, kids. You were just run over and stabbed. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. What do I tell you? Words and names may cause you pain, but cars and knives, they won't hurt you. So just suck it up. Just bizarre. Hey, did you see uh, the Oscars have a uh, possibility for the first time in history of having somebody win both the male and female best acting categories? (laughs) Somebody has been nominated for both the male and female best acting categories. Kelly Mantle was born a male, but plays a transgender prostitute in Confessions of a Womanizer. Whatever that is. And Mantle calls himself an actor on Instagram, but also appeared in RuPaul's Drag Race. Whatever that is. And has also said that he, she is gender fluid. Not just transitioning, because transitioning would say, I was born a man, but I've always known I'm a woman, so he would only be, by their progressive Hollywood logic, a female, and therefore eligible for the female category. But he's gender fluid, so at any given moment, he could be male or female. He just vacillates back and forth. So I imagine if they nominate him for both categories, at any moment... He may not fit that category, but he may again in a minute, a day later. So I imagine it would go like this. He, she, this person is in the audience, right? And they're at the little theater there and they're, okay, the best actress, board goes to. And at that moment, he's probably female. Making him eligible to win. And then he would win it. And yes, I won. But then as they get ready to read the, the male winner probably gender fluid over to the male category he's gender fluid producers say they weren't sure what category to put him in because um when they years ago split the re the reminder list this is a list that they send out to all of the people that vote in the academy this little controlled group into male and female categories and he fits both since he's gender fluid so they said just put him in both just easier to put him in both since he's gender fluid we don't know what he is today Throw him in both, and who knows, he may fit that. You know, I don't agree with or fully understand people that say they are transgender. Um, I try to, and I say, wow, that must be really horrible if you feel this. You know, you've always been trapped in somebody else's body. I can empathize, sympathize with them, and say, that sucks. I don't wish you any ill will. 
You have a right to live your life. I don't want to keep you down. Go forth with personal freedoms and personal responsibility and live your life. And if you grant me the same respect, we'll have, we'll have a fine relationship. <clears throat> I can, it must suck if you want to go in a certain restroom. I get all that. The simple solution to restrooms are you just make them all unisex. You have one person, one bathroom, and there you go and move on. So we can, we can move on. But gender fluid, I got to call foul on. That one I'm calling foul on. That's BS. That is definitely BS. If your gender, let me help you out. If you're gender fluid or believe you're gender fluid, uh, you're female. No, no. If you cannot make up your mind, you're female. Guys can make up their mind. No guy is saying, you know, today I'm just feeling kind of effeminate. I'm just, today I just need held. Today I just need some understanding in chocolate, okay? I just need that. I'm not looking for you to solve my problems. I just want you to listen. No guy is saying that. Guys, no. Males, no. Even women who say they've been uh, transitioning to a male always felt like they were trapped in a female body, but they identify as male. They know. They know they're male. Women don't know. Women are the ones who, today I just need to be held. The other one, you know, if you think you can keep me down, and why do you think I need a male? I need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. You're the one vacillating. Right? <laughs> I'm saying. If you believe you're gender fe- fluid, help me out. You're female. You're gender female. That's just how it is. Cal, based on your experience as a married man, do you dispute what I say? No, 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 not at all. He's pretty much, <laughs> you nailed it down right there. Um, no misunderstanding. There, no misunderstandings. Does your wife ever not um, fully have an answer or is she ever undecided, Cal? Does no. she ever change her mind? Is she ever fluid about where you're going to go to dinner, where the couch in the living room should go, what you're buying for Christmas? Uh, where you're vacationing, how to rear the child. If Did she's she ever- asking that question, no, she always knows. <laughs> if you're asking that question, yeah, sometimes there's some variations. Mm-hmm. There's some so questions. today she knows exactly how she wants the living room set up, right? Yes, the yes, couch goes in a certain corner. Mm-hmm. Is that static? Will that? Will she have that same idea six months from now? No. She so will- she is feng shui fluid. Yes, very feng shui fluid. <laughs> okay. Feng fluid. She is, she is interior design fluid. Yes. Okay. And what about uh, what you should be consuming and what uh, she is going to consume, what you're going to have for dinner tonight? Is, uh, is she ever, uh, is she always static about her decisions? No. No. Okay. No. See, same thing. Hence, women don't make up their mind. Uh, they, are, they are fluid about many things. If you believe you're gender fluid, you are simply gender female. Quick break back with more on this, the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Mercury. Thank 
Hey, if you would please follow me on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. I'm pretty active on Twitter, so I'll engage with you even after the program. At Doc Thompson Show, please follow me. Uh, Mickey Dunn tweeting at Doc Thompson Show and at Cal79. That's K A L 79 for Cal, who's uh, producing today in New York. Clearly, the students at Ohio State misunderstand what terrorism is. Yeah, they, uh, they, they've had a misunderstanding about what, which is more likely. They misunderstand what terrorism is or the terrorist misunderstood. Yeah. At Doc Thompson Show from Inseparable on Twitter, women have the ability to ask you what you want for dinner and inform you that you are wrong at the same time. Yeah, that's true. How many, times right. this, how many times you had this conversation, Cal? You know, because what do you want for dinner? And you're like, uh, I don't care. What do you want? Uh, I don't care. So you're like, okay, I'll make a decision. How about we just go get that? No, I don't want that. <laughs> that's every night. I know. It's like. I will. I just tell her whatever you want, whatever you want. And finally, if she keeps saying, I finally go. Okay, do you want me to make a decision or not? I'll make a decision. Because sometimes this. she does. Uh, she'll pick something, and then we'll go. And maybe it's not the greatest. And she's like, "This is why I don't pick." See, because every time I pick, it's something bad. <laughs> okay, but does she always automatically go along with what you say? No, 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 exactly. That's what she's, I said. There doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to pick. They're fluid when it comes to that. Toby McGuire, uh, McAvoy, rather tweeting McGuire. Uh, RuPaul's drag race has nothing to do with fast cars. Can you imagine how confusing that would be? If I was RuPaul, I would actually invite friends to a drag race. To, to a NASCAR, no, NASCAR's not drag, I guess, but to a car race. A literal drag race. A literal, literal drag race between race cars and say, meet me down here, whatever. <laughs> I had no idea this is what you meant. If they show up dressed up, it might be... <laughs> They look fabulous, though. By that, I mean fabulous. Mickey Dunn at Doc Thompson Show at Cal 79. I feel like I'm the I'm a rock, but I'm trapped in the wrong body. I blame Krispy Kreme. Yes, I have the same troubles. The same troubles. Okay, calls coming up. We got a bunch of people want to chime in. We'll get to your calls next. It's a 727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. And also, a way that you can help out the little snowflakes who've been so upset since Donald Trump got elected, the ones who need those safe spaces, a way that you can help them out. You are going to love this. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. in for Glenn Beck. Thanks so much for joining me. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all my best for a prosperous new year. I have some fantastic news for you. I have some amazing news for you. 
It was this uh, this time of year, I think, I want to say Christmas Eve, when President Obama got the positive vote that he wanted that made Obamacare, that passed it in, in the House. And I remember I had just finished up on Glenn's program. Uh, was this 2009? I think it was 2009. I had filled in. And I got off the air, and I went to Great Lakes Mall in Mentor, Ohio, visiting family in the area. And I remember uh, they were counting it down. They were they thought they were going to have the votes, and back and forth. And I'd get into the car between shopping adventures and tune in. And I finally got the news. And I remember sitting there so defeated and upset about it. I have fantastic news for you. Today is December 21st, 2016. We are officially... One month away, less than one month away from something spectacular that I never thought would get here. A cure for cancer. Well, it's only a month away from yesterday before Obama leaves office. And that means Joe Biden leaves office, too. You know, he's the cancer czar, right? He was charged with the task of curing cancer a year ago. So, folks, we've got a cure for cancer coming within just within a month. I mean, it could be today, but it's finally here. You've waited and it's almost here. Your patience has paid off. Joe Biden with his beakers and his test tubes, getting it all done. Fantastic. Oh, there's also some other good news. Obama's leaving office in less than a month now. Yeah, I just can't believe we're here. I was hoping for that four years and then, wow, it turned out it was going to be eight years and we are finally right here. That's a pretty good feeling. That's something to feel pretty good about. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines. The number is 888-727-BECK. That's 888-727-BECK. Let's go to George in Pennsylvania. George, how are you? And thanks for holding. Hey, Doc, I have a question for you. You keep referring every once in a while to Steve Cannon. Are you talking about the Steve Cannon from 830 WCCO in Minneapolis? No, I am not. No, I am not. But I appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that don't know, as I said, I'm on the, uh, I host the morning program on Glenn's radio network, the Blaze Radio Network, and I sign off every show just saying goodnight to Steve Cannon. That is another Steve Cannon in broadcasting, but the other Steve Cannon that I'm actually referencing was also in broadcasting. And if you want, I'll, I'll give you the, the brief version of it. Please. Would you like? Okay, here it is. Um, the short version is many years ago when I first started doing talk radio, I had an opportunity to co-host a talk station, uh, a talk show on WTVN in Columbus, Ohio. I worked full-time in Cleveland, but it was a sister station, and they said, hey, you and this partner that I had could come down and audition for a weekend show. And I said, hey, cool. So we'd drive down to Columbus a couple of hours, and we would, we'd auditioned. And on the first program, the very first program, we're like, I don't know, 10 minutes into the broadcast, and a guy calls up, and his name is Steve. And uh, I go, hey, Steve, you're on the air. And we're talking. And he's talking kind of nutty. And I'm not really understanding his point and why he's calling. And I'm looking at the producer through the little glass in the booth. And I'm giving him the, what's going on? And he gives me the, and types on the little screen, the computer screen, where we communicate off air, back and forth. And he says, it's Steve Cannon. And I was like, you got me. I don't know. What are you? Who's who's that? And he's like, "Ah, he's a talk show host here. I was like, oh, I didn't know. I was, again, I worked full-time in Cleveland, so I wasn't that familiar with every host on the station, and he worked late nights. And I was like, oh, Steve, okay, so now I'm getting it. Not helping me, still talking nutty. And then he starts talking nuttier and nuttier. And finally, he comes out with something like, 
I know who you guys are. You're scabs. You're scabs here to take jobs from the people that are already working here. I know you're auditioning. All kinds, I mean, just melting down, like flipping out that we're taking his job. Now, we're taking his job. We're auditioning for some little weekend show or whatever. But it really ticked me off because he started letting the cat out of the bag, trying to make us look bad that we were auditioning and, you know, we didn't have a lot of experience and so on. So I got a little frustrated and then I said, you know what, let's just run with this. So I paused after his rant and I just said, Steve, I'm sorry you found out this way. And he goes, what? (laughs) I go, I'm sorry you had to find out this way. Um, we've been called in for, for your job, and um, this was our, you know, kind of get acquainted with the station. So I'm sorry. I wish the program director had told you you should probably call him. You know, come on in and clean out your desk. And I just start playing into his paranoia, and he freaks out, right? So we finish the call, and then we spend the rest of the program, like, two hours just bagging on Steve, just ripping on him, Right. And we get up to the final segment, right? We take our last break. We come back. There's like a minute left. And right up to the last break, we just keep laying it on him, right? I'm telling stories about how he met the Carpenters, who are a brother and sister group from the 70s, and asked them as one of the interview questions how they met. And we told that story. And I told how he looks like Simon Barr Sinister from Underdog, right? I just cleaning his clock. And the final statement, I was like, all right, well, thanks for joining us. We're signing off or whatever. And I just had to get one more dig in, and I was like, so, good night, Steve Cannon. And my partner goes, wherever you are. So The funny thing about that is, you know, for you to even reference Simon Bar Sinister, I have to wonder how many (laughs) listeners even know that that was the arch arch nemesis of Underdog in the cartoon and the Carpenters. When was the last time you heard them referenced except in Christmas time? Yes, some very dated references there, absolutely. Again, this was 20 years ago when this happened, so... We, the program director, shockingly, was not ticked off at us and invited us back. He goes, hey, that was pretty funny because Steve's out of his mind. And I go, did he call you? Oh, yeah, he was calling me and freaking out. So he goes, hey, you guys did a pretty good job. You want to come back? And we're like, okay, sure. So we do the next show, and we wrap it up with <laughs> Night Steve Cannon, wherever you are. And most of my broadcasts since then have ended that way. Not that I hold a grudge or anything like that. You know, nothing like that. So that's the Steve Cannon story. And we actually ended up burying the hatchet over the years when I would fill in and do different shows. And there were a couple of times where I would do the show before him. (laughs) I would have to end with, tonight, Steve Cannon, in the next room. Okay, very good. So, yeah, that's basically the story. I'm I'm kind of a jerk about it. That's oh, yeah. Hey, it's yeah. cool. It's it's a great story. And as for the gender fluidity thing, mm-hmm. yeah, I got to throw the flag on that one. Also, that's bull crap. <laughs> it absolutely is. I'll buy. Reluctantly, you're a different gender, but I'm not buying the gender fluid thing. All right, George. Thanks so much. Triple eight nine hundred. Actually, triple eight seven two seven Beck. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. If you want to join the program or at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter, if you would please join us. Uh, join me there. If you get a chance, folks, and you want to um, you want to do some good, you're looking for a place to do some good, especially around the holidays. I mean, this is a time of year when people, unfortunately, we don't do it many times all year round, but you start thinking about being a better person. You talk, uh, you know, you hear the songs, Goodwill Toward Men, and you start, hey, maybe I need to do a little bit more. Maybe you're somebody that only goes to church around the major holidays, so you start thinking about helping out your fellow man. If you would, please go to mercuryone.org, mercuryone.org, and donate if you can. Glenn uh, talked recently about going to uh, Haiti and some of the good they down, did down there. 
And the programs that he works on, sometimes when he's helping rescue people, is through Mercury One. So in addition to helping veterans out and their veterans fund, and in addition to helping out in uh, things like uh, natural disasters, they also do stuff like that. So if you're looking for a place to help people, Mercury One can help you help people. If you just go to mercuryone.org, and if you donate to one of the funds, 100% of it goes to whatever that fund is for. Helping getting Christians out of places in the world where they're being oppressed, tortured, murdered. They have a fund for that, the Nazarene Fund. If you want to help people in natural disasters in places like West Virginia with the flooding or uh, you know Louisiana, any place like this, the, the fires in, in Tennessee, they have funds for that as well. Just go to mercuryone.org. And if it's only a dollar or two, it'll help out very, very much. It's a, it's a charity I believe in. It's one of the few charities I'll actually work with because... They are so reputable, and the money does go to help people. So please, mercuryone.org. Coming up next, something that you probably were not aware of, something that your children are being exposed to, maybe your older children were exposed to years ago, that has a subversive message, especially around this time of year. And I'm going to share that with you coming up on the Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This. This. Is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Constant for Glenn. I'll be pinch hitting for Pat and Stu immediately following this program, the Blaze TV, and then it'll be, of course, rebroadcast in radio form as well. Pat and Stu later on today, the Blaze Radio Network on Twitter at Doc Thompson Show. Got a story to share with you, something that I didn't realize existed. I have a son who's a little bit older now. He's 14. I have a son who just turned two. And Cal, you have a daughter who just turned two. Yep. So I, I need to warn you about something that I just found out about myself. I didn't realize it, but apparently. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the, you know, the television program, the, the special, is um, full of gay propaganda. Say what now? It's full of gay propaganda. I didn't realize it, but a guy who uh, wrote a column, his name is Brian Moylan from Vulture, whatever that is, has uh, an article called The Gay Subtext of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and apparently there's a lot of gay subtext. If you'd like, I will share some of it with you so you can be informed. Please, please do. He writes, uh, Rudolph is totally, absolutely, 100% Neil Patrick Harris, French kissing Ricky Martin gay. That's pretty gay. That's uh, pretty high in the gay uh, the gaydar. Especially for a reindeer. Mm-hmm. He said, anyone who even knows what queer theory is can tell you that the subtext of the narrative seems to be a pre-Stonewall contemplation of the power of coming out and embracing sexual minorities in a society at large. He uh, goes through the film step by step, a little special there, and gives some examples. He says, for example, the film starts off at the North Pole, where t- traditional gender roles are quickly reinforced. Well, you got Mrs. Claus there. She's uh, doing the cooking 
She's nagging the husband about uh, not eating enough. Nobody wants a uh, skinny Santa Claus. Traditional gender roles, Cal. Right there. Do you dispute that? I, I guess. I never read so that deep into it, but okay. Okay, see? So you're not disputing it. She, he then writes, the elves, identical in shape and apparel, are at work on Santa's toys. The boys wearing blue, the girls wearing pink. Rudolph is born to Donner, who immediately hates his son's red nose and thinks that something so different will keep him from leading a heterosexual lifestyle where he pulls Santa's sleigh and marries a nice doe someday. I don't see where the uh, sexuality in- comes into question. I know that he's worried about Rudolph's nose, but... He's trying to hide his nose. Don't you get the red nose is symbolic of his, of his uh, homotype sexuality. It's, a, it's <laughs> symbolism, Cal. So you're disputing that? I am disputing that one. I think it's a little far-fetched. So you see what happened. Your daughter is going to be exposed to this because you're unwilling to see what this guy is laying out. Something it's not about really gender clear. or sexual. It's about accepting people with flaws. It's about accepting people that aren't the same as that you. Gay. That are gay. Why does it have to be gay? I guess you could put gay about. in there, but it's just about accepting people that maybe don't look the same, don't act the same. Here's how we know it's about gay. That's the whole Rudolph story. This is, this is how you know it's about the gay and catching the gay, okay? Oh, you can catch the gay? Apparently. I think you can. A few more tests. He says, apparently, Rudolph heads to the wilderness to live alone. Remember when they won't let him play the reindeer games? He goes to the wilderness, lives alone, but he meets a colorful little elf who is the only elf with hair. And what does his hair look like, Cal? It's a flamboyant blonde wave. He's the only one that has hair, and it's fabulous. He's an elf. They're all flamboyant. This one's even more flamboyant. Don't you want? No, because the older, the, his boss is like, Herbie wants to be a dentist. He's not very, he's masculine. He's butch. But right? they're all elves. I mean, you can question even their, their, their attire. It's, it's very, you know, uh, happy and, and he has, as the author nature. points out, especially red lips, a, f- a feminine shaped face, and eyelashes that any doll in Santa's workshop would be jealous of. He speaks with a Paul Lind cadence. Remember Paul Lind from Hollywood Squares? He was Samantha's uncle on Bewitched. Paul Lind. I remember. Yeah, Paul. What song is played when the president enters the room? Peter. Send in the clowns. Paul Lynn, that's how he talked. Which also shows this author is really old, too, by the way. He uh, says he's, uh, he also signals as uh, different by his professional aspirations. He wants to be a dentist, of course, rather than to be a toy maker. Nonconformity. He said, unlike Rudolph, though, Hermie refuses to live in the closet, Cal. So he leaves Santa's workshop and heads to the wilderness himself to open up his own dental practice. <laughs> See what's going on. They're both the homotype sexuals. Hermie refuses to be in the closet. Rudolph's in the closet. I think he uh, said pulling at strings here. Well, it's not over. He said they encounter the lumber sexual Yukon Cornelius. Do you remember he throws lumber the pickup in here? What does that mean? What would lumber sexual? Yeah, yeah what is lumber sexual? Do you remember the uh, the guy healthcare.org in the pajamas, the uh, plaid pajamas with the cup of coffee? I think so. Do you the hot chocolate. I think that's a lumber sexual. I think. I'm not sure. So you have to wear plaid pajamas to be a lumber sexual? Yukon Cornelius was one. That's all I know, according to him. He said he's an older, uh, hirsute gay man, meaning Harry, who embraces an over-the-top masculinity despite being gay. So the others are effeminate, so you know they're gay. He's too masculine, so you know he's gay. Now what do you say? Now I'm just confused. Okay. 
He said the three venture off to the island of misfit toys where all the people, all the toys there are different, and they can flourish because of their differences. They're all accepting. It's Gay Island. <laughs> gay Island. That's essentially what it is. They're all they're all freaks. They're misfits. Right? Is that like a gay version of Survivor? It's like a it kind of it's kind of like a gay bathhouse in the seventies in New York, something like that. They all flourish while they're there outside. They got to kind of keep it in the closet, you know. He then says Rudolph, Hermie, and Cornelia sleep in a pink room with pink sheets and blankets, coated traditionally female. He said this is the gay community that all of these men find after leaving the closet behind. They're all together in bed. This is the family of their own making that they devised because their own biological families have rejected them. Now what do you say about it? This is ridiculous. It's not over. It's Rudolph. He he said shortly after arriving on the island, Rudolph, Rudolph takes off because he's still afraid that his very obvious red nose will bring wrath from the abominable snow monster who is a fanged embodiment of violent homophobia. Bumbles bounce and are a fanged embodiment of violent homophobia. If, I'm sure when you've thought of homophobia over the years, in your mind you conjure up that image of the abominable, right? Uh, no, no, no. The homophobia does not conjure the image of an abominable snowman to me. Well, that's because you're not gay and you don't have to suffer what these people suffer through. He said it shows Rudolph is promiscuous because he heads out. Oh, come on now. He said, and engaging in short, uh, the sort of short-term relationships that gay men were expected to have at that time. That's the reason he leaves, to, to do the hookup culture, right? Hermie no. wants a lifelong relationship. Rudolph's just the hookup culture that they expected gay men to have back in the day. And he says, but because this is the early 60s, the film's subtext must be below the surface. They couldn't make it too obvious. He said, Rudolph can't be entirely gay. He said once uh, he proves his ma- that he's macho enough to pull the sleigh, he's given a suitable reward, a woman to marry and breed with under the auspice of, of uh, matrimony. Oh, so you remember Cler- Right. You remember Clarice? She thinks I'm cute. She thinks I'm cute, right? That was all a front. Clarice is a beard, Cal. She's a beard for him. This guy's got way too much time on his hands. So you're not buying it after I've shared the entire no. thing with you? No, I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. Rudolph is Do you gay. dispute that Fred it Flintstone's about... not gay? It's... Who? Fred Flintstone. How could you get more macho than Fred Flintstone? Really? Gay? Okay, Cal, your unwillingness to see this stuff. I'm sorry. That's on you. I'm trying to help you out. I weep for your daughter's future where she's going to be subjected to stuff like this and may turn gay because of it. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. That's a better picture of me they just put up. Uh, they put that one on the website there. And I was complaining earlier about the picture. If you go to the website and you want to find out more about me, it's theblaze.com. Just click on channels and you'll you'll go down and see it. It's, it's a horrible picture, but they just found a much better one. I know you're not working with a lot here, but try to find the best one at least. So find out more about me and please follow me at the new Blaze channels where we got some really big things coming up after the first of the year. Uh, some ways that I'm going to help you and your small businesses. In fact, I did right after Christmas, the day, or the day after Thanksgiving, rather, 
Uh, and I'm going to continue to promote small businesses. So if you need help, you want some free ads, some free publicity, and some things that's going to help build America, just go to theblaze.com, click on channels, and follow my page, please. Do you have someone special on your gift list? No, we mean special. Someone who hasn't shut up since the election. A special gentle soul who needs a participation trophy to feel wanted and appreciated in a seemingly unjust world. Then do we have the gift for them. Put away your microaggressions, Pablo, because we're bringing the country together. DNCTrophy.com DNCTrophy.com is the perfect place for your perfect little snowflake who's emotionally distressed over the election. Oh, the humanity. Even when they lose, they can still get a trophy. Afraid mean old Republicans might make them get a J-O-B? Get them a DNC trophy. Do they need a safe space? Send them a DNC trophy. Are they still watching CNN? They need a trophy. And you can send it to any liberal you like. Schumer, Pelosi, Warren, doesn't matter. A beautiful trophy that says, you participated in the election and although you didn't win, participation is all that matters. You're still a winner in our hearts. Yes, a DNC trophy will make your liberal friends feel better instantly. You can buy one or 100 because this is America. And we can do that again. Making America great. One trophy at a time. Mm -hmm. DNC trophy. Get your buttercup one today at dnctrophy.com. dnctrophy.com. Okay, that's a lot of fun, um, but we're really trying to do some good here. So... If you go to dnctrophy.com, you'll have the opportunity to to do something nice for somebody. Well, there are a lot of people that are still upset about the election. I mean, still got people on college campuses with safe spaces, people as they head home for the holidays, saying they can't even sit at the dinner table with their parents because they feel so bad about the Trump election. They can't do it. These little snowflakes are so upset. And I figure what better way to help them out and make them feel better as the participation trophy generation than to give them a participation trophy for the 2016 election. So this is your opportunity to give somebody you know that's a little snowflake that feels so horrible something that is going to make them feel better. And that's a participation trophy. Trophy. Sure, you lost. But no, no, you didn't. If you had fun, you won. Here's your participation trophy. The trophy is at dnctrophy.com. 11 bucks. That's it. You can send one to anybody you know. You can buy one and then give it to them if you like. And this is something that they'll see and they'll say, you know what? I thought we were keeping score, but apparently we weren't because I have this beautiful little trophy that I participated in the election. I thought I lost because Hillary didn't get elected. And where was Bernie? He didn't get it either. No, no. You participated in the election. So you should feel good about yourself. It has a beautiful little snowflake at the top. You can see the picture just by going to dnctrophy.com. We're also going to send a whole bunch of them to members of the DNC. Uh, Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. If you want to order one to send to them, we'll go ahead and send one out to them as well. We want to send them out just before the inauguration because a little less than one month from today, one month from yesterday, they're going to have a really, really bad day. When they're at the Capitol and Trump steps up and gets sworn in, they may completely melt down. These little individual perfect little snowflakes who got participation trophies for doing nothing may cease to exist. And I think this may embolden them and 
brighten their day a little bit to say, hey, yeah, Trump got elected, but you participated in the election. And the same thing with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. It's going to be very bad for them. And I know you're a very caring person and want to do what's right and bring America together. So send them a participation trophy. If you had fun, you won. Just go to dnctrophy.com. And so imagine Chuck Schumer, right before the inauguration, opens up the big box of not just one, but participation trophies from all across America. Imagine if he got like 30 of them. Chuck, you tried so hard to get Hillary elected, but you participated. Here's 100 participation trophies. And Nancy Pelosi, too. You participated, Nancy. Debbie, what's her name, Schultz? You participated, too. Now, if you send one to them, as designated by the website, we can ship those off in bulk, and there's no shipping fee. So you get free shipping on that. If you want to send one to any of the designated people, the head of the DNC, just go ahead and uh, click on it, and we'll send one off. It's only 11 bucks. You do have to pay some shipping if you want one yourself, and depending on where you live in America, it's a little heavier, so it could be a little bit more, but it's not going to be crazy expensive. You usually come in around 20 bucks or so total with shipping. So what a great little thing you can do for somebody. Cal, isn't that nice? Giving people participation trophies, something. I think we've been doing it wrong all this time. We've been battling instead of saying, no, no, you're okay. Here's your trophy. This way no one's left out. Everybody feels like they're a part of something. Right. That's uniting America. You got the people that supported Trump and you say, hey, I supported Trump. Great. I'm, I'm victorious today. And the rest of the people that didn't, you say, hey, I participated. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave one on Glenn's desk because he participated in the 2016 election. No, he didn't support Trump. And I didn't support Trump either. I mean, like some of his ideas. And I understand why the people did support him. But I, too, participated. Now, I'm not part of the participation trophy generation, and I'm okay with the election. It's certainly better than Obama and way better than Hillary Clinton. So I'm okay. And I think Glenn's come to terms with it, but just in case, I'm going to go ahead and leave one for him. Isn't that nice of me? Very nice. Very thoughtful. Right. So I'm going to tweet out a link to it. You might get some misunderstanding there. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? How would I get a misunderstanding? What way? You know, he might think that you're my possibly being, I don't know, a bit. Oh. You know. You think he thinks I'll, that I'm, that I'm kind of... Not being genuine in this? Yes, yes, yes. That's giving him the thinking. business a little bit? Oh, just no. a little bit. I've got an idea. I will give it to him anonymously. How about that? <laughs> that doesn't help. You're just trying to avoid your own backlash there. <laughs> okay, how about this? I leave one with Tommy, and then I say, hey, can you give this to Glenn? How about that? <laughs> well, then you're just passing off the blame to someone else. Okay, well, there it is. Okay, I have to encourage Tommy to do that. That would be pretty damn funny, I think. I think so. I think that would be a a story. <laughs> a story. Okay, a story. Yeah. I think it would likely probably be some sort of story as well. Maybe not the story I want. But nevertheless, imagine your family members uh, getting that participation trophy. Now, these likely are not in time for Christmas. Christmas is Saturday, not going to be in time. But they will be in time for the inauguration, which is what we're really going for here. Um, especially on Inauguration Day, you can have that trophy as the little snowflake is melting down. And you hand it to Oh, see, honey, look, you participated. You should feel okay. Ship one to their dorm room. Maybe send one to their, uh, their dean. 
That would be good. DNCTrophy.com. I just tweeted out a link to it, which is one of the things I learned today. On Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. Please follow me. Uh, let's see what we got here. Lisa uh, tweeting, at Doc Thompson Show, that dude is an idiot. That's like people who say Bugs Bunny is a violent cartoon. No, Lisa, I know what you're saying. She's mentioning the Rudolph being gay thing. No, no. Bugs Bunny is not a violent cartoon, but he is a homotype sexual. You know that, Cal, right? You're with me on that one. Now you think Bugs Bunny is gay? Cal, how many times did he have to dress up as the girl bunny? He's he did at least that bisexual. to fool people. He did it to fool them. How many times have you fooled people or tried to fool them by dressing up as a female? Well, Bugs would usually do this, you know, to pull one over on um, Cal, you know, Sammy Cal. Sam or, uh, or, or Elmer Fudd. Elmer, right. How many times did he kiss them? Again, it was just kind of one to pull one over. He wasn't gay. He, Bugs Bunny was not gay. No, he was bisexual because he also had the little girl rabbits, too, like the girl rabbit in that. So clearly bisexual. I'm fine with that. I mean, but let's call a spade a spade. Let's, you know, admit what it is. I mean, you know. So what you're saying is if I were to dress up as a female and go around kissing on the lips my coworkers, unprovoked today, just big Bugs Bunny-style kiss, they wouldn't think I was gay. You're going to get a lot more than just thinking you're gay. You're going to... You're liable to get hurt there, but um, you're not a cartoon. When Pat comes back, when Pat comes back, I'm going to save it for him and see what he says. Can you videotape this? <laughs> I would like to see that reaction. Uh, by the way, I think we may have crashed the website, DNC Trophies, but stay with it. It'll come back up. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, um, I, I suppose we could probably videotape that. I mean, I, I couldn't do it to Stu, though, because he's a vegetarian, and I don't want any of the veggie... That's that's just too close for me. Um, and yes, uh, Fred Flintstone, gay, clearly. Where are you getting all this? He hung out at that gay club, the Water Buffalo Club. That wasn't a gay club. That wasn't a gay club? Of course it was. No, it was that like was a... your local kind of like VFW kind of thing. Okay. Hung out with Barney. They were pretty close. What did he wear? He wore a dress with triangles on it. I don't know what triangles has to do anything, but it wasn't a dress. That was caveman, was a gay uh, caveman garb. That's a... They all wore that, like, big flowy moo-moo type thing. Okay, but it had triangles. What's with the triangles? That's is, a gay a symbol. No, it's not. Since when is a triangle a gay symbol? That's a gay symbol. People will know. I mean, look at, do you remember, what was the, uh, the Teletubby that Jerry Faldwell told us was gay because he had the triangle shape on the top a few years ago, right? Because that's right, a gay symbol. This is news symbol. to me that shapes indicate uh, sexuality. Are you going to debate me on Snagglepuss? Remember the pink lion? Okay, I might not debate you on Snagglepuss. Okay, there it is. So you're with me on that one. He was in theater, thin, neat, right? Exit stage left even. And so there are some. You just refuse to accept Rudolph. Got it. Rudolph, Fred, any of these. Okay, here we go. Uh, James in Louisiana tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. Considering Cornelius, meaning Yukon Cornelius, love of silver and gold, I think he's more mineral sexual than lumber sexual. Okay, I'll give you that. You just say greedy. How about that? Uh, Troll79, hashtag what I learned today at Doc Thompson Show. How much more masculine can you get ripping teeth out of uh, people's heads? My dentist was really gay. Okay, does he mean, I guess he thinks he means the, no, no, Hermie. Hermie, the the elf ripping the teeth out of the Bumble's mouth. Oh, okay. I don't know if that is or not. They did battle the Bumble, so. Okay, I noticed nobody around here disputed Hermie, though. He's likely gay, right? The little elf? You're with me on that one. No. Cal, I mean, no. no. 
Exactly. Not that there's anything wrong. They, you can be gay. I think we all accept that. Why can't that. we just watch cartoons? Why do we have to? Who cares? Because it's insidious, Cal. No, targeting your kids with this insidious message of homotype sexuality. It's going to turn them gay. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is so I don't even know why. This is, I can't believe we we're having this conversation. Look, this is the type of stuff. That, unfortunately, we hear at times from people on the right. Way too much time on there. Conservatives. You know, very religious conservatives. Yes, of course, there's propaganda out there. There's fake news. We talked all about that. Yes, that exists at times. And you teach your kids right and wrong, burying their head in the sand, or pointing at everything as gay, like your your grandfather or your old elderly uncle. That, he's gay, I could tell. Spotting everyone who's gay. It's, it's, in, it's stupid. It's silly. And often inaccurate. So just move on. Live and let live. I mean, you don't have to accept the lifestyle. You don't have to accept it and say it's not wrong or embrace it or whatever. But it is no greater sin than your sins. It is simply sin if you believe it is a sin. And you can accept people and still uh, support their rights to make choices in their life. I understand people pushing a gay agenda or trying for you to make a gay wedding cake or something. I absolutely say you should not have to do those things. But that's based on your personal freedoms for your religion, or you just saying, I don't like gay people or whatever. And gay people, I support your race. I don't like straight people. That's all fine. Uh, Lynn Newsom at Doc Thompson Show. Only female reindeer retain their antlers over the winter. Most male reindeer drop their antler before winter. Does that have anything to do? Do you remember how they were? Were they antlered or not in the cartoon? They all had the little stubs, didn't they? Is that what it was? I'm talking antlers. Okay, well, maybe that'll help us figure it out. Quick break, and we'll wrap things up on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Christmas and happy holidays. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck today. Thank you so much for joining me. A quick programming note for you. I'll be back tomorrow as well and then Friday in the program as we head into the Christmas weekend. Um, I'm really hoping that in the coming year we've got some really good things coming. I know we do here at The Blaze, but I continue to engage people on social media about some of the divide and it's, I guess, not so shocking, but that, that we have been so separated When I look back, I understand how it happened and why it happened, but I'm hoping we can truly give each other the benefit of the doubt, even those of us that have stood together over the last eight years or 16 years against progressive ideology, give each other the benefit of the doubt and say, even though we we took a different path, we're trying to get to the same place, even when we have failed. That's my hope. More coming up tomorrow. Don't forget dnctrophy.com if you get a chance. I'm Pat and Stu, next. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.